This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. Rex Tillerson is out as Secretary of State. Replacing him may be Mike Pompeo, currently head of CIA. And to replace Pompeo at CIA, Gina Haspel, a longtime intelligence agent with a background that may pose problems for her confirmation. Cato's Chris Preble and Emma Ashford discuss what these moves mean for diplomacy and intelligence. Chris Preble, what does it mean that Rex Tillerson is out at Secretary of State? Well, I could be a little too cute and say he was never in. Uh, And there's a lot of truth to that. Look, he never connected with the president. He never connected with the staff at uh, Foggy Bottom. He never really connected with the diplomatic corps more broadly. Um, He came into that position with certain ideas about how a business is run based on his experience with one very, very large country, company, excuse me. Um, And I think that he sort of got off on the wrong foot with lots of people who might have helped him along the way. Um, But the most important thing is that he never connected with Donald Trump. And and when you look at, at least on paper, leaving aside the fact that Exxon is a very uh, controversial company sure. to, uh, to a lot of people. On paper, you look at the kind of things that he, that somebody as Secretary right. of State when, would have to do. Yes. Yeah, when I said country, and it's sort of that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> I mean, you know, Exxon Mobil is is the equivalent of many countries, you know, in terms of output and 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 just staff. And you know, this is a massive un, you know operation on virtually every continent on the planet. And he in that position. Um, had famously or infamously interacted with many world leaders, including, of course, Vladimir Putin. So, uh, you know, there, it was not it was not crazy to think that a business person, especially him, um, could succeed at state. But I think um, we learned that it's a lot harder than he thought and he didn't get off to the he didn't get off to a very good start by sort of leading with a um, major reorganization uh, as well as of course don't forget he, you know uh, the Trump administration proposed a 30% cut in the state department's budget you know 2 or 3 months after he'd been on the job so he he really had uh, a lot of things working against him um, all along and and I think that really did hamstring his ability to succeed so what do we know about Mike Pompeo Pompeo has been one of the more, I'm going to say popular members of the administration, but perhaps successful would be the better word. Um, So he apparently has succeeded inside the administration by basically making himself invaluable to Donald Trump, building up this great personal relationship with him. He apparently spends several hours a day down at the White House meeting with Trump, which is not a normal thing for the CIA director to do. They would normally spend their time out at Langley. So um, he's been pretty successful with Trump, but his opinions more broadly have been really problematic. So CIA director is meant to be a relatively apolitical position. They're supposed to sort of relay information, um, help to bridge the gap between the intelligence service and the, the administration. And a lot of the time what he was doing was more policy advocacy, particularly if we look at the way he reacted with regards to Trump's decision to try and withdraw from the Iranian nuclear deal, for example. He came out strongly in support of it rather than just providing the information that he should have. Right. And this was in uh, stark contrast to people like Rex Tillerson. 
and Jim Mattis, who both su- supported staying in the deal despite their reservations about some of the terms. Pompeo is just more hawkish than ge- in, in general than either Mattis, certainly Tillerson, um, perhaps than H.R. McMaster, that's the national security advisor. So Pompeo has just made public statements, but taking a very hard line on Iran, on North Korea, perhaps even using military force against those two countries. So that's a little disturbing for the direction that this administration could go. What does it mean to be Secretary of State, given the the resume of somebody like Rex Tillerson compared to the resume of somebody like Mike Pompeo, who, you know, as far as I can tell, doesn't have a, a ton of experience in, the, in those sort of broad multilateral discussions about keeping the peace? Right. I mean, the, the short answer is the Secretary of State is the nation's lead diplomat. Um, In his current role, Mike Pompeo is the nation's lead intelligence officer. So it's a very different sort of job. It requires you to interact with um, other people of a similar station, right? Other leading diplomats around the world. And um, it's not obvious to me that he has that skill set. Now, some people learn on the job, uh, and I guess that's what uh, President Trump is is expecting him to do. But again, I'm concerned about the general lack of interest, it appears, on the, on the part of this administration uh, on matters of diplomacy. They have sort of uh, signaled both in their budget submissions and their failure to fill uh, numerous critical positions inside of the State Department that they don't seem to place very high uh, value on diplomacy in general. Uh, And so I think uh, he also will struggle in the same way that uh, Rex Tillerson did uh, uh, at risk of sort of becoming um, uh, estranged from from the White House. All right. So uh, to replace Mike Pompeo, uh, Donald Trump has suggested uh, Gina Haspel, who was the deputy to Mike Pompeo at the CIA. And uh, Emma, I know you've uh, sort of understand a little more about her resume, what should concern us about uh, this person running CIA? Well, so, so let me let me start with the good, right? So the good is that Gina Haspel is actually a veteran CIA officer. She's been working there for many years in this administration. That's probably a good thing. Um, there's also the fact that she's a woman. She'll be the first woman ever to hold this position. So this is, this is good. This is all good. Unfortunately, the bad is pretty bad. Um, Ms. Haspel was heavily involved in the Bush administration's rendition and torture uh, schemes during the the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, She ran a center, I believe, out in Thailand that was used for rendition of a number of terrorist suspects. Um, She was implicated in the decision to destroy the videotapes of those interrogations after the fact. Um, And actually, when Donald Trump appointed her to her current position, which is the deputy director for, for operations, um, she was uh, that the appointment was contested by people like Diane Feinstein and a bunch of other senators on the basis that we shouldn't be rewarding somebody that was involved in this uh, rendition scheme. This is from uh, the New Yorker. This is a year ago when she was going to take that position in the uh, CIA under uh, Pompeo and Trump. Uh, it says in 2002, according to people I spoke with, um, this is uh, from Dexter Filkins at the 
Uh, the New Yorker, he says, Haspel was present at a CIA black site in Thailand where Abu Zubaydah and Al Nashiri were being tortured. It's not clear whether she took part in the interrogations themselves. Abu Zubaydah's interrogation, which is recounted in the Intelligence Committee's landmark investigation, was particularly gruesome. According to the report, he was waterboarded 83 times. At one point, he became non-responsive with water bubbling up from his lungs. Doctors had to revive him, and during his confinement, Zubaydah lost sight in his left eye. So, I mean, part of this comes back to there's this real ambivalence, um, I think, inside the intelligence community about this period and their history. They, you know, they most people don't like it, aren't proud of it, but they also don't necessarily think that people who worked uh, inside the intelligence community at that time should be punished, should face criminal charges for things that they were legally authorized to do at the administration at the time. And this has a real tension with what political leaders on Capitol Hill say. Um, right. So so I think what's what's really interesting um, from this point of view is going to be confirmation hearings. In her current position, Haspel didn't have to go through confirmation hearings. So there were protests, but it didn't matter. She's going to have to sit down and actually answer questions in front of the Senate. And um, Barack Obama, when he took office in 2009, decided not to prosecute uh, members of the CIA right. who were responsible for uh, a lot of these for running these programs and um, right. I, I mean, think I, it, I'm just saying that if he had made a different decision, this uh, Ms. Haspel might be in prison. Well, right, and and I think that Emma Emma makes a really good point is that within the agency there is uh, you know it, there is a certain sense of. Um, uh, anxiety or or a lack, you know, uh, uh, sort of a. They're, they're certainly not proud of this episode. By the same token, they, they don't feel that they should be held criminally liable for something that was sanctioned by the administration, Bush administration, per the uh, infamous torture memo. So I think that um, you, you're right, Caleb. It's sort of once. President Obama made the decision not to prosecute and sort of move on, then then that story from a legal perspective, it seems to me, is just sort of is sort of over and done with. But but Emma's right that now it becomes a political question because it's an issue not of criminal li uh, liability, but but can she survive the confirmation process, which is well, an and open being question. And being rewarded. Correct. In a way for uh, some activities that should seem, it seems like, should at the very least disqualify her from that position. People certainly said that about John Brennan. Yeah, and, and really the difference here is one of degree, not necessarily of type, because right. John Brennan and several other senior officials that Obama appointed to key posts right. had at least been involved in the management chain of, of the rendition uh, program. They just weren't perhaps quite as intimately, closely linked to it as she was. Right. So uh, I, I guess one more question related to this. Uh, my first thought when hearing that uh, Secretary Tillerson would be departing was, uh, maybe this North Korea thing was the last straw, because it's, <laughs> it seems like he had, uh, you know, to, to hear uh, Doug Bandow and John Glazer tell it, he had no role whatsoever in, in making arrangements, which you would expect a Secretary of State to play a significant role right. in setting but, up a meeting like that. But that may be more a symptom than a cause, uh, Caleb. It may simply indicate something that we've known all along, which is that he and President Trump are not on the same page, that President Trump and other, you know, a small circle of advisors around him are driving the foreign policy train. And that has left Rex Tillerson on multiple occasions looking like, you know, just looking like he missed the train. 
Tillerson contradicts Trump all the time or has contradicted him all the time, um, most recently just this weekend. And we're not actually sure if he knew he'd been fired when he made these statements, but he made a bunch of statements about the uh, Russian chemical weapons attack in the UK that directly contradicted things Trump and his press secretary had said on the subject. And so uh, Tillerson has been irrelevant for a very long time. Um, I think the questions about his replacement are perhaps more, more interesting than questions but Tillerson himself. Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, and Emma Ashford is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 